1 Timothy helps us understand church life. And in verse number 22 of 1 Timothy 5, the Bible says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. That's pretty bold and direct, isn't it? Uh, we looked back at 1 Timothy 4 for just a second. Look at verse number 14. You probably don't even have to turn your page depending on how big your Bible is, but it says in verse 14 and 1 Timothy 4, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And in chapter 5, when we look at verse number 22, when it says lay hands suddenly on no man, we're talking about uh, idea of ordination within a church. You don't want to just lay hands on someone quickly um, because you don't want to introduce a man to the ministry too quickly. So God gives a warning here. He says, put on the brakes and lay hands on no man suddenly. Don't do it quickly. Uh, there's going to have to be some time before the church can see some evidence to give the green light to move forward. And hey, we're going we're to lay our hands on you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to send you out. We're going to put our stamp of approval on that man. And how much time? Well, the Bible doesn't give us how much time. But it does say this, don't do it quickly. It can't be sudden. It shouldn't be something where it's just like all of a sudden this happens. Why? Because all of a sudden things do happen. Things happen quickly to a church. And the next thing you know, you're like, man, how in the world do we get in the midst of this? Things happen quickly. But for us, for a church, for a New Testament church, we have to heed this warning to not lay hands on no, don't do it quickly. Don't do it quickly at all. Lay hands suddenly on no man. It doesn't matter who he is. We want satisfactory evidence that qualifications have been met. And it can't be just that he's a good guy. Everybody's a good guy. Young people. It can't just be, well, he's a nice person. Everybody's nice. Have you ever met a mean Mormon? No, you, everybody's nice. Have you ever met a mean Buddhist? They're happy. You can't just move forward because someone's nice. Everybody can be nice. You got to proceed with caution. For someone to be fit for the ministry, he has to have some competency in the Word of God. He has to have the ability to be able to deal with people and love them where they're at. And he has to be ready. Young people, look up here. I need to see you looking up here. He has to be ready to work. Now say that 
W word with me. Ready? Sometimes it takes a while to get going. Work! <laughs> work. The ministry's work. Life is work. And uh, young people, you want to do something for God? I hope you would. You're going to have to put some work into it. God wants you to work for Him. God wants you to live for Him. But, but you've got to put some, some effort into it. And that's what the ministry is about. And by the way, I know we're making a church application for a church leader, but also for all of us. And as a principal at large, we shouldn't all of a sudden put our stamp of approval on just anybody. Lay hands suddenly on no man. We want some proving ground. We want some evidence to be seen. And uh, before you trust a friend, has he proven his friendship, his loyalty, his trustworthiness, his honesty? Lay hands. Suddenly on no man. Because if you do, you're going to run the risk, look at this verse, of violating this part of verse 22. See that? Lay hands suddenly on no man. If you don't obey that, you're going to end up being a partaker of other men's sins. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. You don't want to be a part of that. Would you ordain a heretic? No. A liar? You wouldn't do that, would you? If you did, you would be sanctioning his error and you would be putting your name behind that error. And God says, hey, you can't do that. I'm warning you. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other man's sins. Okay, you fill in the blank. Guilty by association. And try it again. Get everybody say it so we can get it really sunk in the depth of our mind. Guilty by association. But I didn't do it. Were you there? You may not have done it. Nobody believes you. <laughs> Don't count on this world to believe you. Especially if you're a Christian. Pick your friends carefully. If they're doing wrong and you're hanging out with them, people will consider you guilty by association. Don't be engaged with anyone or any activity where they're doing wrong. I'll tell you a story. I won't give you all the details, but I'll say this. Before I was saved, I already made some decisions. And it wasn't because of the Holy Spirit. I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I, but I, I started a business in town and I made a decision. I wanted to have uh, I wanted to have good character. I wanted to be seen as a role model who stood for something that was right. 
Now, I wasn't saved, but I knew that going to certain places wouldn't be good. And when I had started my uh, martial art academy, I had some old friends that invited me to go to a place that you shouldn't go. I said, oh, you, you want to go? I said, no. I said, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, why not? I said, well, I've got a business in town, and if I'm going to be teaching folks discipline and respect, and especially young people, I don't think their parents would appreciate if, if something went wrong and then... And then I end up getting in trouble because I'm hanging out at a place I shouldn't be. Now, I couldn't talk them out of going to where they were going to go. But I wasn't going to let them talk me into going to a place that I knew I shouldn't go gone. <laughs> now, and I'm glad I didn't. You know why? Because that night, something bad happened. And the police came. And... Some names ended up being in the paper the next day about what went down. Now, if I would have went, do you know whose name would have been in the paper too? That'd be me. And the entire town would have read. And you know what that would have done to my character? And do you think me saying, yeah, I was there, but I didn't do Fine, I didn't do, but nobody's going to believe me when I say that. Why? Because you're guilty by association. And if you're there, you're just as good as partaking in other men's sins. You can find all around town enough places where someone would take you uh, to, a, to, a, to a bar or a dance hall or a saloon, whatever they're going to call it, and you can, you, can, you can go and you can not drink and you can come home as sober as you were the day before. But nobody is going to believe your testimony if you're hanging out in places where you ought not hang out. You leave. You say no. Okay. Uh, young man... Just, just, just the, just the young men. You, just you, you, you three, you three young men. Let me, let me have you stand up. Just stand up. That'd be you too, Chris. Stand up, nice and tall. All right, very good. Now sit down. You know why you were able to stand up? Because you got a backbone. <laughs> That's why. Your backbone makes you stand up. You know what we need today? Some young men that have a backbone to stand up for some truth. And do you know why we have young people and young men and young women partaking in other men's sins and going where they ought not to go? Because they don't have a backbone. Get a backbone. Young ladies, look up here. Stand up. Do you know why you were able to stand up? <laughs> why? Because you got a backbone. Now, go ahead and have a seat. Now, praise God. He has designed us so greatly to be able to do that. You have to be able to stand up for truth because you got a backbone. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Keep thyself pure.
Three words, last three words in the verse. And there's a real necessity for purity. And look, it's not just your association with others. Look at this. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Okay, so you got other men. But now that semicolon brings this thought together and closes it out with this. Keep thyself pure. Oh, fine. Yeah, Brother Jimmy, I don't, look, I don't associate with um, somebody's doing something wrong, going somewhere, that, I'm not going there. I'm not, yeah, I'm not partaking in other men's sins. Okay, fine. Now God says, if you have that part, now get this part down. Keep thyself pure. Well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, the individual life of a believer is the heart of the matter. The way that you live. You might not be a companion of fools, and that's great. But if you personally have secretly given in to sinful temptations, then you wouldn't be, or I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be keeping ourselves pure individually. There's an individual responsibility for each saved child of God to keep themselves pure. And if you don't, if you don't, okay, does anybody know what February is a good month for with trees? Okay, a maple tree. How many of you know what a maple tree is? February is the month where you can tap that maple tree and the sap will run out. And what do you make it into? Maple syrup. Maple syrup. That's Okay, you can do that with maple tree. February is the month to do that. Run out of time if anybody's interested in doing that. But... If you don't keep yourself, if I don't keep myself individually pure, we are like a maple tree that's been tapped. And what's getting sucked out of us, what's being tapped out of us, is all that sap, all that syrup's coming out, and it's going to leave us dry. If you don't keep yourself pure, you would be like that tree that sapped of all of its life and now you won't be able to use the spiritual gifts that God has given you in your fullest potential. Why? Because you're not keeping yourself pure. Your thoughts, what comes through your eye sockets, what comes in your ear holes? What comes in and out of you, what comes out of your mouth? Keep yourself pure. The heart of the matter. Psalms. Uh, uh, no, go, don't go to Psalms yet. We're going to go there in a minute. Go to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. The Bible says. Let's talk about some practicality here. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace 
with them that call on the Lord out of a what type of heart? Pure. Did God tell you and me in 1 Timothy 5, keep thyself pure? If you, are, if you want to do that, you're going to have to flee youthful lusts. And if you don't flee youthful lusts, there will be no way you can follow after righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. It won't happen. Because you're following after and you're chasing youthful lusts. Stop it. If you're doing that, stop. And God says, follow after this. And call the Lord out of a pure heart. Do you think if you're watching something dirty, you're going to call on the Lord out of a pure heart? No, you're going to have to stop doing that and then call on the Lord. You think God's hanging out with somebody that's drinking and doing drugs and involved in fornication and, and looking at dirty pictures and, and talking with a dirty mouth and, and, and telling dirty jokes? And you think, you think God's in any of that? No, all you're doing is draining yourself of any usefulness for the Lord. You're going to have to stop it. You're going to have to flee that. Titus 2. Titus 2, look at verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness. How can I do that? Do you got a backbone? Then do it. Deny it. And what type of lusts? Worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Is the world godly? No. Is the world pure? No, it's not. But you can live godly in an ungodly world if you do this. You need to have an upward look, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So you know what you want to do to keep yourself pure? Uh, you, I forgot what I just preached. You have to... Uh, flee youthful lusts. Follow after righteousness. Okay? The second thing you need to do, biblical principle, is this. You need to walk around this way. You know what that is? That's an upward look. That's called the blessed hope. It's a spiritual look. But too many Christians walk around this way. Oh yeah, that's going on in the news. Yeah. Yeah, did you hear about Putin? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, did you hear about the, the did you hear about all the, the, the wars that are gonna go on and next thing you know we're gonna be paying more taxes. Yeah, yeah, did you hear did you hear all about that? Oh boy, I tell you, I can't wait for Trump to get money. Did you hear what they did with Trump the other day? Man, I, I can't I can't even believe it. I didn't even know I didn't even know that uh, and you hear about Joe Biden, he's going to end up, uh, well, I don't even think he knows what year it is. And, and then the next thing you know, you're so distracted with, with what's going on down here, you forgot.
God to look up for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you want to be caught doing something unpure if the Lord catches away a saints? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Would you want to be down in the basement with the fellows gambling and playing poker and smoking cigars and drinking the devil's brew and then uh, nobody at church knows about it, but the Lord does, and next thing you know, He catches away His church. You want to be caught doing that? I don't. Live with the upward look. And that will help you and me to live pure. Live pure. We don't live pure. Christians don't live pure because they don't live with the blessed hope in mind. Turn off the TV. Man, that's old. That's old. I got to stop saying that. I have to say, turn off the social media. I guess that's a better one now, right? Turn off the social media. 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. Look at verse number 1. 1 Peter 4. For as much then as... Uh, verse number 1 of 1 Peter 4. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. And if you don't take this serious, that you shouldn't live the, that your days right now following after the flesh and the lust of men, you're going to end up 40, 50, 60 years old with a ruined testimony, ruined character, and regret. And anybody that lives like that and ends up getting saved later in life, they're great to have in church because they can tell all the young people, don't do the stupid stuff I did. Please don't do that. Why? Because of regret. You know what that means? That means they're saying, if I could go back and do it again, I wouldn't have lived that way. They would have lived pure. Go back to 1 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy 4. I know we already preached on this. I won't park here too long. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little. Man, we, we park on that. That's a key phrase there. But godliness is profitable unto all things. And we preach on that. Those are like, man, we hear so many sermons on those, and they're great sermons. But now watch what it says. Having promise of the life that now is. That life right now that is your reality, live it pure. Live it for God. Right now, you can do that. Well, isn't it going to be a far off when I get in eternity? Uh, yeah, 
But how about now? God says, right now. That now is, He says. 1 Corinthians 6, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Right now, you're not your own. Right now, you've been bought with a price and you can live for God. All right, now go to Psalms 90. Go back to Psalms. You had this strong oak tree and for years it's withstood the winds and the rain and all the elements. Uh, but one day, one day, what looked like a very strong oak tree, it just toppled down. And you're looking at that scene and you say, man, that, that'd be odd. There's all these other young oaks that you figured be weaker and they would have been knocked down by the big storm. But no, this big oak that you've watched for years withstand storms. All of a sudden, boom, it just comes down. Why? And the younger ones are standing. Why? Well, if the heartwood, if the center of it rots out, it's not worth nothing. And you know what we have? A lot of Christians on the outside, they appear to be strong and on the move and things are going and you've watched them weather some storms from what you thought but inside something's eating away at them keep thyself pure you don't want the sap sucked out of a tree you don't want the heartwood to be destroyed from the inside and then all of a sudden you topple down people hear stories and the headlines say pastor fell no pastor falls into sin, by the way. No Christian falls into sin. You don't live pure and then all of a sudden, after 30 years of living pure, all of a sudden you just fell over. Like, oh no, that does not happen. You know what happens though? A slip here, a slide there, another slip, another slide. You slide into sin you don't all of a sudden just fall down into it you entertain that thought you entertain that joke you entertain that picture you entertain that person who you shouldn't have been Nobody falls all of a sudden, okay? They fall, but it's not an all of a sudden thing. It's a, it's a sliding. It's a gradual slipping and sliding away because inside that heartwood's getting eaten up. Psalm 90, I asked you to change to. Look at, uh, turn to look at verse number 8. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. The heartwood was dry rotted. That was the tree's downfall. The Bible says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. 
You don't want secret sins sucking the spiritual life out of you. Get right with God. People think, man, I'm, I'm saved. I'm not going to have to fight my old carnal nature. That's just wrong. You are. You're going to have a glorious body, but it isn't going to be tomorrow. Your vile body is going to be changed unto a glorious body, but it, it look, not right now. You're going to have to battle that old flesh and that carnal nature and you got to keep it in, in subjection you've got to yield to the holy spirit and victory it will belong to the young christian who realizes that god dwells in him and we got to keep that in mind go to psalms 119 look at this verse psalms 119 Go toward, okay, 140. Psalms 119, verse 140. Bible says, Thy word is very, what? Pure. How do, I keep, how do you keep yourself pure? Well, if God's word, it says, is very pure, it says, Therefore thy servant loveth it. Do you love God's word? It says that it is very pure. How? When was the last time? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to call out the answer. When was the last time? It was just you and God's Word. You and God's Word. Not you and your church family and we're opening up God's Word. We need to do that. But that's not, I don't think, that's, that's not the application I'm trying to make. It's not you and the work buddies doing a Bible study for 10 minutes on lunch break. Although that's great to do if you have the liberty to do that. Fine, do it. You and His very pure Word. Do you love it? Do you read it? Do you study it? How do you want to keep yourself pure? Do that. <laughs> individual purity requires individual love for God's Word. Are you a servant? Then you should love the pureness of His Word. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You got a bad heart? Get in God's Word. Commandment of the Lord is pure. You got wickedness coming through your eye sockets? Get in God's Word. Commandment of the Lord is pure. Bible says the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Titus 1 says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiling, defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, and even their mind and conscience is defiled. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1 if you would. 1 Peter 1. Look at verse 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. The Bible says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. 
see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Well, Lord, I just kind of want to love you and love myself and love my immediate family. And God says, well, that's not really completely true. He wants you to love the brethren. That's a tough verse for pastors. I'd submit to you that's a tough verse for church members. Because, well, it's just easier to not do that. But if you want a pure heart before God, you need to love the brethren. Social media is a blessing and a curse. It has given people who don't want to love the brethren a spiritual excuse that really isn't an excuse to not love the brethren. They can just watch their favorite preacher on the internet and not have to come and be with the brethren in the cistern. And then when that favorite preacher isn't his favorite preacher, you can turn him off and turn somebody else on. And you don't have to love either one of them. <laughs> And when he says, the other guy says something you don't like and doesn't agree with what you, the person has already decided that they're going to agree with, you turn him off and you turn somebody. you got so many choices and so many channels to change now that you have people that just won't obey this verse. And it's not that, look, if you want a pure heart, you've got to figure out a way to love the brethren. Keep thyself pure. How? Love somebody that loves Christ. Well, preacher, you're just too hard. You're just too this. You're just too that. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm your brother in Christ. You want to, you want to keep yourself pure? Love me. Man, but this church member just wears me out. Every time, every time I preach a sermon, every time there's something I said wrong. This person. You know what God says? If I want to keep myself pure, you know what I'm going to have to do? Love that brother. You think you can you think you you think you can obey that verse? That's a tough verse. How do you keep yourself pure? Stay away from evil. Sure. Love God's word. Sure. You know how else? Love. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's be a church that embodies that verse. Loving the brethren. Alright, let's wrap up a few thoughts here. James 1 talks about pure religion. And undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Uh, young people, the world wants to pull you in a direction that you ought not go. And they'll take something innocent and they'll pull you with the fun and innocence of it and then, and then they'll turn on you. That's the world. Stay unspotted from it. We had, uh, go, go to Philippians 4 and you should have this 
Young people, I want you to memorize this verse if you haven't already. Philippians 4, finally, brethren, verse number 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. That is what your thoughts should be full of, pure thoughts. If it isn't pure, don't drink it. If it isn't pure, don't think it. If it isn't pure, don't say it. Now, my daughter keeps a bottle of water in the refrigerator and she puts her initials on the cap. But she also has the, the, the flavoring that she puts into the water. So it's a lemonade water. But from the naked eye looking at it, it just looks like a bottled water. But it isn't pure water. It's got some drops of goop in it that gives it some fake sugar that makes it taste yummy. So I had grabbed it out and uh, I'm going to have it for, with dinner. And she said, Dad, that's mine. That has the lemonade flavoring in it. I said, it does. It looks like water to me. No, go ahead, try it. Poured it in, took a drink. Sure enough, wow, you're right. It looked like pure water, but it wasn't. It had the goop in it. Some chemical, it's pure. It, 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 you can't see it. It's not really pure. You can't see it, though. And it isn't real sugar, and it's not real lemon. It makes you think you're getting lemon. Don't be that type of Christian. Be, be the one that really honestly has pure thoughts. Blessed are the pure in heart. And our chief goal in life should be to please God. But we wouldn't be if we are allowing impurities and things that are unholy into our lives. Keep thyself pure.